Well, happy Easter, everybody. And all of you who traditionalists, he is risen. All right, he has. And we are so grateful for this day. And I'm just, I'm just so honored and pleased that you would join us for this amazing celebration. Um, if you're visiting, my name is Dave Nelson, pastor here. And I just want to say, we're going to have a great day. Y'all ready for a great day? It's going to be a great, great day. So here's the truth. Easter, Good Friday, Easter, this most paramount day in the history of mankind, obviously is not the beginning of the story. There's a lot of story that led up to the need for Easter. And obviously for 2000 years, there's been a great story being written after Easter that you and I are in today and will be in tomorrow and following. So before I jump in to the message, we just wanted to take a moment, take about a minute here and just kind of reflect on the larger story and why we're actually having Easter, okay? So let's watch this together. First was the fall of man. Then God made a promise man-made sacrifices for atonement. But he continued to struggle. And finally, the fulfillment of the promise was present. He was baptized. He healed the sick. He broke bread and offered up himself. He was betrayed and arrested. He was sentenced, then mocked and beaten. And then, as the perfect sacrifice, he offered up himself and died on a cross. put into the grave. But he rose from the grave. Because you are the creator, we acknowledge you this morning as the creator of all things. And we worship you because in your very essence, you are holy, holy, holy. That means you are good. Everything about you is good, always. Everything about you is right. There's not anything that you can do that isn't right. So we can trust you. And you are love. And God, I know that in this room, there's not a soul that's sitting in these seats that isn't deeply, desperately, ravishly loved by you. And my prayer in Jesus' name is that that love would be clear today, that we would see you clearly today, and that on this Resurrection Sunday, the life that you offer us, that every one of us in this room would receive that life and know it, that we would know you. So God, we just pray for your anointing right now. We thank you that you're here and that your word would be living and active and move in our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. 
John 3, 16 and 17, classic verse of Christianity. God so loved the world. And that means you. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In Matthew chapter one, verse 21, when the angel appeared to let Joseph know, yes, your fiance is pregnant, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> she wasn't cheating on you. What happened? The angel said she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And in 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. So over and over and over again, in each one of these passages, and throughout the scripture, here's what we see. Jesus Christ came to save. Why? <laughs> Why did he actually come to save us? Well, the only people who actually need saving are those who are dying. Right? I mean, if you can do this yourself, you don't need to be saved. So you only come to save if you're dying. So the question is, why are there, I checked the number today, 2.2 billion Christians in the world that we're actually joining on Easter Sunday. Why are they celebrating today? Why are we celebrating today? Because we realized we were dying and he saved us. And it's amazing grace to us. And so, and then I started, I thought, why isn't everybody here today? Why isn't, why isn't the whole valley filled in the churches today. And I, I think it's simply because most people actually don't think they're dying. Most of us actually think we're okay. So as I was thinking about the message, I, I feel a little bit like a doctor uh, this morning. Um, and so I was actually thinking about trying to get a white coat and put it on for a second. Because um, if you've ever been in that situation where you're sitting in the waiting room and the doctor has to come in <laughs> and give you the news, I, I, I'm glad I don't have to do that. Like, I, that must be so hard. I, I remember the day uh, when my mom got the news that she had cancer. And, uh, and I actually was home at that time. I was the only one home in our house. I was in college at the time. And my mom busted through the door in, in great tears because she had just received this news. And I remember sitting in the waiting room in the little office there with Eric, my best friend, and his wife, Paula and the doctor having to come in and tell us the news that Paula had cancer. Um, and then, after she told us the, 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 that she had cancer, she went on to explain, actually, what, what is this cancer actually doing? And then, when she got done with that, then she explained the treatment that they were gonna try to do. So, Jesus came to save us from our sin. <laughs> So if we're going to celebrate today, the first thing we have to understand is, well, what, what's sin? What, what, why did he actually come to save us from our sin? Well, there are sins, okay? There are just sins. There are things that we do that aren't of God. They break relationship with him and with each other. 
Basically anything that's sin, I remember my sister telling me this, sin is basically anything that hurts someone else or it hurts you. Because <laughs> it's just any activity that we do that isn't of God. It creates division, we harm each other, it destroys relationships and often destroys our own heart. So all our anxiety and all of our fear and all of our guilt and all of our shame, all of that is a result of sin. Now, God hates that and I, we do too. <laughs> There isn't anybody who actually likes to watch our relationships fall apart or our hearts be destroyed. So those, there are sins that we do, but then there's sin, okay? There's just sin that Jesus came to save us from. And that's when a human being says to God, I really don't want you in my life. I don't want you as God. I don't want you as Lord. I, I, if you come in, I'm really afraid you're just going to mess everything up. So I directly don't want you in my life. And the truth is, I'm not that interested in following you either. <laughs> Your ways seem a little outdated. So I don't want you in my life, and I don't want to follow you. See, that at the core is sin. When we reject God for who he actually is. And Ephesians chapter two simply says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So, happy Easter everybody, isn't this a great message? Y'all feeling good so far? I mean, seriously, I, I did, I just felt like, okay, uh, here we go. But I, I am, I do feel like, what good doctor who knows your condition was if you were sitting in the room wouldn't tell you that because he wouldn't want to hurt your feelings. No, I remember when my mom had cancer and for a long time she had all the symptoms, right? She wasn't feeling good. Her, her abdomen was swelling out. She felt this pain that she didn't know. It's just what sin, right? We have the same thing. Our lives aren't working. We have anxiety. We have fear. We have guilt. We have shame. We have anger. We have bitterness. We have stuff that's controlling us and we can't get over it. And it's, it's just abdomen. But, but she wouldn't go to the doctor, <laughs> You know, she didn't want to know what was in there. The best thing that would have happened is my mom just got to the doctor <laughs> so she could tell her, this is actually what's going on. Well, this is actually what's going on. So, but what does it mean when the Bible says you're dead in your transgressions and sins? Well, Jesus told us, he goes, this is eternal life. He point blank defined it for us, right? So God so loved you. <laughs> that he sent his only son, that who would ever believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And then Jesus describes it. He says, eternal life is when you know the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. When you actually know God intimately and personally, and his presence is there with you, you know him, you live. It's eternal life. And, and so I've shared this, and I said this two weeks ago. I'm going to keep saying it. What does it mean to know somebody? There's my wife over there. That's Susie. I know her more than anybody else in the world because I have let her into my life. She sees me. I know her because I've seen how she reacts and who she is with all of me. And the second thing is, I have engaged in her life. I want to know her, so I get into her and I find out her dreams and her hearts and her passions and I do things with her and we know each other. That's what it means to know. So if that's eternal life, when you know God, then eternal life is when God 
is in your life as Lord. And you let him in to all of your being and you want him in there. God, I'm screwing everything up. Come into my life. But that's half of it. The other half is when you want to get into his life. And so the Bible has just told us, God has just revealed to us, this is who I am. This is how life works. I'm righteous, which simply means things are as they ought to be. Follow me, Jesus. Come follow me. And you'll have life. And so that's what it is to know him. So if life, eternal life, is knowing him, which means I want him in my life and I'm in his life, then what's death? Death is when you don't know him. Death is when you do just the opposite thing. When you say, God, I don't want you in my life. I don't want you messing it up. I don't want you controlling it. I want to do my own thing. And death is when you say, I really have no interest in following you. I'm going to do my own thing. Sin, you guys, at its core is self. It's when you live for yourself. More than you live for God and more than you live for others. And every human being on the planet it lives for self. Now, many of you are visiting. Those of you who've been here, you're like, are you going to say this again? Yes, I am. So, but all the rest of you who are visiting, how do you know that? You're like, wait, I'm a good person. It's like, come on. If you've had kids, you know that everyone is born for themselves. <laughs> because the first two words out of a kid's mouth are mine and no. <laughs> mine and no. There's not a parent on this planet who had to train their kids to be bad. They just are. <laughs> it's in our, and by the way, you were one of those too, so it's you too. It's all of us. So when we say, and by the way, every human struggles with this, and all a Christian is, is somebody who sat in the spiritual doctor's office and said, why am I so screwed up? Why can't I do the thing that I want to do? And why don't I do what I want to do? And the doctor says, because you have sin. Because you can't follow me. And when you don't follow me, and when you don't want me in your life, you separate yourself from me. And that's called death. Now, John 8, 23. So, so I thought, okay, I'm up here, and I'm going to share with you. I'm kind of like a resident, maybe, in training. Um, but like... If the actual doctor, if the great physician could come this morning, if Jesus, he's called that the great physician, if he could actually come in and just say, can I tell you? Well, he did. He came to earth, and here's what he said in John 8, 23 and 24. Jesus continued, you are from below, and I am from above. You are of this world, and I am not of this world. And I told you, that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sin. See, um, like sometimes I feel like what we have to be really careful for is, is our natural tendency to be go, wait, 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 I'm a, I'm a good person. <laughs> I'm a good person. And I feel like I have to tell you, no, you're not. None of us are. There's not one of us on this planet. And that's what Jesus is saying. He said, you call me good teacher. He goes, nobody's good except God alone. And so 
He's establishing something super important for us to understand. He came to save you. And here's, now we're going to turn. Anybody ready to turn? Let's turn here. The doctor comes in and he gives you the true assessment of your condition. And he tells you, you're going to die. But God sent him not to condemn you, but to save you. He came to save you. I didn't come for that. He goes, I didn't come to say, you're going to hell and I'm angry at you. And no, no, he's like, I know your condition and so I'm actually here to save you. So the good thing is the doctor has to walk in the room and say, okay, here's your condition. But the same doctor is the one who says, but I have a cure. I can actually give you what you need for life. And if you've ever sat with anybody who's received the news of cancer that they're going to die, if on the heels of that, the doctor would say, but I have what will heal you. Oh my goodness. Is that not the greatest news in the world? It is. And so let's switch. The doctor wants to tell you now, here's your condition. I've come to save you. Number one, two things. I just got two points today. He came to save you from the penalty of sin and he came to save you from the power of sin. And it's so great because the Bible says, and all of this is God, okay? He's the savior, you're not. He's the one who actually does all the work. You just have to show up to the office and get the IV in you. Just feed it to me, give it to me. I have nothing in myself to save myself. And that's what Jesus is saying. I'm gonna do this, you're not. Okay, and this is also really good news because most people think you gotta be good. God's up there like, if you can get your act together, I love you. He's like, you can't get your act together. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So trust me instead of yourself, all right? So let's look at how Jesus saves us from the penalty of sin. Romans chapter five, verse six says this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I don't have time but to get into this because those three verses I think are my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Because he's saying, I love you when you're powerless to do anything good, and some of you are right now. I love you when you're ungodly, and I love you when you're a sinner. I am not asking you to clean up your act. I love you exactly as you are right now. Love that. And then verse nine, he says, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? He came to save us. So why is Jesus dying? Because <laughs> he goes, this is how we know what love is. When you were a sinner, he died. When you were ungodly, he died. We're like, okay, why? Well, Romans 6, 23 says the wages of sin is death. In other words, again, you are dead in your sin. And we all understand this. If anybody does a crime, if anyone commits a crime, you are handed a sentence. And then you have to pay that sentence. Well, the payment or the sentence, the thing that you earned through your sin is death because you've actually said, what is it? God, I don't want you in my life and I don't want to follow you. So let you just stay over there. I'm going to be here. If I ever need you, I'll give you a call. He's like, 
okay, if you want to be separated from me, I'm life. And if that's how you want to live your life, you're dead. That's what you earn. That's the penalty. So the question is this, if that's the sentence, hand it out. Here's your question this morning. Who's going to pay the sentence? Because God is just. He is just and he is going to punish sin. So who's going to pay it? And the question is, do you want to pay the penalty for your sin? That's the question. So what happens is, in this, there's a legal term, right? Romans 5, 9 again, it said this. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by God's wrath through him? So what is justified? What does it mean? It means to be, to de to be declared right. You are justified by his blood. That means your debt, your sentence, your penalty is actually paid for. You're free. <laughs> like you, you actually own this sentence. You're sitting in the jail cell. And all of a sudden, the guy comes up and says, wow, dude, someone just paid your sent sentence, paid your penalty. You were guilty as charged, and now you're completely set free. And you might say, but wait a second, the penalty was my life. <laughs> the penalty I had to pay was my life. And he says, and someone gave their life for you. Someone gave their life for you. Now, it says we're justified by his blood. And I just sat there and I thought, okay, for you guys who don't go to church, you're like, I'm justified by his blood. What in the world does that mean? In the Old Testament, Leviticus 17, it says, the life of a creature is in the blood. And I have given it to you to make atonement, which is free and full forgiveness. So in other words, when the Bible says you're justified by his blood, what it's saying is you are justified by his life. You are made right. It is a life for a life. And this is how much God, listen to me, this is how much God loves you. If you are saying right now, if you live a life apart from God and you're following the ways of the world and you're following your flesh and you do whatever you want to do and you are completely saying, God, I don't want you in here and I don't want to follow you. Jesus is going, well, I want you. <laughs> I want you so bad that even when you don't want me, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to give my life for your life. I want you back. You're my creation, you were made for me. I'm the only one who can actually get rid of your fear, can get rid of your guilt, can get rid of the shame, can get rid of the heaviness. I'm the only one who can set you free from this thing that makes you do what you don't wanna do. And I love you so much that even if you don't love me right now, I love you. I love you and I will give my life for your life. So let me just say, this is super important to understand because I think almost every human being goes, well, God, if God loves me, then he'll forgive me. <laughs> Listen really carefully. God will never forgive you because he loves you. He won't forgive you because he loves you. But because he loves you, he gave his one and only son to die for you to pay your price so that when you put your trust and faith in Christ, then all of your sin is wiped away. It actually goes in Christ 
and you are forgiven. Do you see how this works? So you can sit there, well, doesn't he love me? Oh, doesn't he love you? He loves you so much that he would suffer and die a gruesome death when you don't even want anything to do with him. And that is the only way you can actually get your sin forgiven and be reconciled back to God. Romans 3.23 says, God gave Christ as a sacrifice to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. This is an amazing verse. Because we want, you guys, we actually want a God who's just. Every one of us does. We do not want a God who says, hey, it's okay when you hurt each other and when you abuse each other and when you kill each other and when you slander. He goes, no, you don't, that's not okay. So we actually want a God who's just. But here's what Sue, he shows his righteousness. He shows how good he is by being just, punishing sin, and the one who justifies. He's also the one who makes it right. So let me just demonstrate this. I, well, the first time I ever heard this story, I thought it was the perfect picture for what Jesus has done for you. It's a story of an Indian chief, and he was highly, highly respected. Everyone in the tribe knew that he had high integrity. He was completely just in all of his decisions. And yet at the same time, he loved everybody. He just, he loved everyone. He, he was an amazing chief. Well, then in the tribe, all of a sudden, there was some theft that was happening. And in their law, if you actually were the thief, if you were robbing from someone in the tribe, then you actually had to go through 40 lashes. So some theft happens. They can't find out who it is. Second day, some more things are stolen. They can't find who it is. Third day. More stuff. This is somebody is taking from everyone and the punishment is going to be severe. They finally catch the thief and it's the chief's mom. And so everybody's like, what's he going to do? Because he's just, he always stands firm with his law. He never bends it for anybody but it's his mom. <laughs> he loves her. So everybody wait, they're like, what is he gonna do? So the day comes and she's bound and they bring her in front of the whole tribe. The whipping pole is set up and the chief says, take my mother and strap her to the pole. And so they do it. And the guys who are gonna administer the judgment and the punishment have their whips ready. And right before they go for it, he goes, stop. And then the chief comes and he wraps himself around his mom and he says, okay, administer the punishment. That is what Jesus has done for you. I'm just gonna tell you flat out, if God is real and if Jesus Christ is the son of God, he came from another world. He said, you are from this world, not my world. Just like when I go to a doctor, I don't understand anything. Tell me what, 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 what? <laughs> Jesus is like, you don't get it. I know. And you will surely die in your sin unless you put your faith in me and I will cover your sin.
and I have taken your punishment and you will never receive the wrath of God. You have been saved. He sent his son to save you from the penalty of sin. And that's the greatest news in all the world. Well, there's some more good news. He didn't just send Jesus to save us from the penalty of sin. He sent him to save us from the power of sin. Because sin is powerful. The Bible tells us you were slaves to sin. Like, again, I couldn't stop doing it. It's the weirdest thing, right? And all of us are like this. If you've ever, all of your one of us has looked in the mirror and just been ashamed. <laughs> like, why can't I do what I want to do? Why do I keep doing what I don't want to do? And we have this inside of us. And we can't follow God. We are so bent towards ourselves. So in verse 10, it says this. For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? You are saved from, through the death of his son to forgive you from sin. But now God's saying, but here's my plan. As soon as you receive Christ, as soon as you put your faith in Christ, you're not, I'm not just forgiving you, from the, forgiving you for the penalty of it. I'm gonna put my spirit inside of you and he's gonna give you the power to not keep sinning. Is that not good news? See, because here's the truth. If, wouldn't it be horrible if God would, if, if he only forgave us and then said, okay, now keep screwing up your life. Keep hurting the people around you. Keep living empty. Keep being addicted to things that you can't get over and I'll just keep forgiving you. Now, I'm grateful. Thanks for the forgiveness. That's not, our God is so much better than that. He goes, I'm setting you free from the penalty, but I'm also setting you free from the power. Because Jesus Christ is the only one who walked on this planet in human flesh, was tempted in every single way that you and I are, and never one time gave in to sin, ever, ever. And he said yes to his father every time. Not one time did he ever say no to God. And here's what it says, and that is the resurrection. So Christ, I, I love when the verse says that God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Why was it impossible for death to keep its hold on Jesus? Because in himself, he had no sin. So he defeated death. And he rose from the dead. And now God is saying, and Jesus is alive today. Oh, you guys. When I first gave my life to Christ, I, I, by the way, I didn't want to. I, I don't know who wants to. I, I don't think there's a human being who's like, wants to give up control of your life. We just don't want to. What I was shocked in was that once I did put my faith in Christ, and all my fear and guilt and shame are gone. But the coolest thing to me was, when he gives you his spirit, you actually now start to want to do what God wants you to do. He says, you're saved by grace. It's a total gift through faith. But then once you get saved, I, God says, I go to work. And now I actually start to change your heart. And the coolest thing was, I actually started to want to follow God. Like, where'd that come from? <laughs> It's the spirit of God inside of you. So when you receive Christ, you receive forgiveness, but you receive him. And I'm gonna tell you, that's true salvation. I'm gonna be super bold here. Some of you have been going to church for years 
and you actually have never had this spiritual transaction take place because you still say to God, even though you, you could say, I'm a Christian, I just don't follow you. I'm a Christian, but I just don't want you changing my life. I'm going to tell you, you need to be really, really careful today. Because if you're a Christian, you are saved and empowered to live a new life. This is what God does. This is true salvation. So Romans chapter 8, verse 11 and 13 says this. If the spirit of him, spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. For if you live according to the flesh, which means if you live according to your selfish nature, if you do whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, you will die. Okay? And that's straight from Jesus. If you live in your sins, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Guys, and, and, and here's what the coolest thing is. Eternal life is not just waiting to get to heaven. Okay? Eternal life is as soon as you receive and put your faith in Christ, the Spirit comes inside of you now and you can live a new life. You can be free from the power of sin. Now, I just want to tell you, that is a never-ending, never-ending battle. I have been walking with Jesus for 32 years. I can't kick sin. Okay? If any of you in this room have said, I never sin, you're a liar. <laughs> okay? You're just bold-faced lying. But what the Bible tells us is, in John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, but if you are born of God, if the Spirit of God lives inside of you, he says you can't continue to do it because his Spirit lives in you. And the Spirit of Jesus is always moving us to say yes to God. So that's where confession comes in. We just come in and we just say, okay, God, man, I blew it again. Please forgive me. And he forgives you. Now, let me, just, let me just throw out the invitation for you. Some of you today, you walked in here, and, and I know you're not saved. You have never actually put your faith in Christ. And, and I, just want to, I just want to encourage you as a, as a spiritual doctor, don't, don't die and stand before God and hope that you were a good enough person. Because you're not. Because you, you know what? You know what heaven is, you guys? And by the way, can I just, sh actual show of hands. How many of you want to go to heaven? Anybody want to go to heaven? Okay, okay. Yeah. No, I'd like hell, thanks, no. Uh, no, you want to go to heaven. Why? Because it's not going to be like this. But you know why it's not like this? Because the kingdom of heaven is where God's will is done. The kingdom of heaven will only be filled with people who said, I want you in my life as Lord, and I actually want to follow you. If you don't want him and you're not following him, that's not heaven. So you must have your sins forgiven so you can be reconciled back to God and Jesus said this, you can't enter my kingdom unless you're born again. Because the only way you're actually going to want to follow God 
is if my spirit gets inside you and changes you. And so that's why heaven is left for those who say, I want you. Come into my life and I want to follow you. And the great news is, if you have not been following him and haven't wanted him, if today you realize that, then you can say to God, God, I live in sin and I don't want to anymore. I want power over my sin. Please come and forgive me for not loving you and give me the power through your spirit to do so. Now, on this Easter, let me talk to you real quick, all of you guys who are Christians, though. Many of you in this room, you really have, you've received Christ, and yet you still hear the voice, you're not forgiven. <laughs> Look at what you do. You're still screwing up. You're still making a mess of things. And I want to tell you, I hear this voice. 32 years later, the enemy is so crafty with the thoughts he can put in our head. And today, you need to hear the good news. No, if you receive Christ, one time, sacrifice for all sins, everything you have ever committed, everything you're struggling with right now, and everything you've ever done is forgiven by Jesus. If you're a Christian today and you're heavy over your sin, if you're a Christian and you're feeling guilty, if you're a Christian and you feel ashamed, if you're a Christian and you're hiding, happy Easter to you. You are not, you are seen as holy, without blemish and free from accusation before God, not because of anything you've done, but because you received the forgiveness of Christ. He justified you freely and you received it. Start believing that today and believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you do fall, you go, it." that's what you say. And then you get back up and you just turn back. You just turn back. And you go, okay, I'm going to do it again. And you're going to fall. The Bible says, if you claim to be without sin, you're a liar. I am going to fall. But I know this. The Spirit of God is going to transform me more and more into the image of Jesus. I'm never going to willful, deliberately do what God doesn't want me to do. Because I don't want to ruin my life. And I don't want to ruin your life. And I want to give him glory. So I'm going to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, what do you do? The doctor's in the house. Right? Right? <laughs> Your spiritual doctor is in the house. What do you do? Acts chapter 2, 27 says this. When the people heard this, so this is the same message, right after the resurrection, right after Easter, Peter goes out and he speaks to all these people. And after he told them about Jesus giving his life to save him from the penalty and from the power, here's what they said. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit of God, and you will never be the same. You will be a new creation in Christ. And look at this, listen to this. The promise is for you. It is for you and for all your children. For all who are far off. Did you hear that? Listen, some of you are here today and you're like, no, 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 David, you have no idea what I've done. 
There's no way God for forgive me for what I've done. Are you kidding me? He died for everything. The guy who wrote most of the New Testament was killing Christians. How many of you have killed Christians? You have not done nearly. That's why Paul said, this is a trustworthy saying, Christ came to save sinners and I'm the worst. I was killing his people and he forgave me. It is for all who are far off, no matter what you've done, if you feel the conviction inside of you and you want to be free from the guilt and the shame of your sin, it is for you. And then look at this. For all whom the Lord our God will call. And here's what I know. I don't know how he does it. It is such a mystery to me. But I know for me, I was sitting in a service just like you are today. And I heard the call from God because he loved me and he wanted to forgive me and he wanted to set me free and he wanted to fill me with his spirit so I could finally say yes to God so I could find the life that he created me to live. And so what did I do? Number one, what do you do? You repent. Now that is a a Christian word, but it simply means this. You change your mind. Repent means you change your mind. You just go, Man, I was totally thinking that the best way to live was just do what I want to do and that if I ran my own life, it would be right and that God would be okay with that and he would just forgive me. And now all of a sudden you go, no, repent from that. (laughs) Repent from believing and thinking that you can live your life apart from God. You change your thinking and then it says, the Bible always says repent and turn to God. So you repent and you go, I am not, I'm changing my thinking and I'm, instead of believing that I'm okay without you, I see now Jesus, you came to tell me that I'm gonna die if I keep doing that. I'm not gonna do it anymore. So you repent and you turn and then you come to Jesus and you confess your sin to him so he can absolutely forgive you. You must turn from that way of walking, following the world, following your flesh, doing whatever you want to do, and then you turn to him. You repent. And then you get baptized. (laughs) And that's what we're going to do here next. We're going to do. And what is baptism? The word means to dip. So you take a piece of cloth, and let's say it was a white piece of cloth, and you dip it into a dye, like a red dye. And when it came out of 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 the dye, what happened? It's completely different. Why? Because the dye actually consumes every fiber of that cloth. And so when you get baptized, the Bible says you get baptized into Jesus' death. So we're going to take people, right, and we're going to put them into the death of Christ. You are baptized into his death. That means when Jesus died, you died. When Jesus was punished for sin, it was for your sin. So all your sins have been punished. That's why you get baptized. It's like, Oh, it's a physical demonstration of the spiritual reality. But then, instead, when you get baptized into his death, he goes, if you're, if you're baptized into his death, you're also baptized into his resurrection. That means so that, the, so that you can live a new life. The spirit of God is now in every fiber of your being so that you can live a new life. So repent, change your mind, change your path, and turn to God. Don't pay the penalty for your sin. <laughs> Change your thinking that that's going to be okay to stand before God as an unholy person. It's not. Change it. Turn to God. Put your trust in Christ. Be baptized into his death so that all of your sin is forgiven, into his resurrection so you have the power to live a new life. And then number three, and what happens? The verse said, you will receive the forgiveness of your sin and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit.
So here's how we're going to do this. Um, we have a group of people who've already made the decision to receive Christ, and they're going to get baptized today. But I'm going to give an invitation to you right now. It is Easter Sunday, and you have heard the invitation from God himself. He loves you. He does not want to be separated from you one more day, and he does not want to be separated from you for eternity. He doesn't care what you've done, how bad you are, what your sinful nature is, what you're struggling with. It does not matter to him. He says, when you're powerless and an ungodly and sinner, that's when I love you. I have already died for you. And so God himself, Jesus on Easter Sunday is telling you some of you, he's giving you an invitation and he's saying, will you repent and turn to me so I can forgive you of all of your sin and so I can put my spirit inside of you so that you can follow me all the days of your life. And if you want to get baptized today, if you want to make that decision to put your faith in Christ and to receive the gift, you could be born of the Spirit of God and be a new creation set free from all your guilt, all your shame, all your fear, and have a new spirit inside of you to encourage you and empower you to live the life you were created to live. And if that's you, while we're doing these baptisms, we have some of our leadership right over here in the side of this room. And if you wanna get baptized today, we'll do it. We have a boatload of towels right here, okay? This happens every time we do baptism. And I, I, I think it wasn't raining now, but maybe it's gonna pour out there. It'll, you'll, you're, you're gonna be wet, you're gonna be wet, okay? So don't worry about it. Have no fear. Face your fear of surrendering your life to God and be loved by his grace and his mercy instead. And we will take care of you. We will love you. We will come around you. We so want you to know the free and full life of God that you were created to have, all right? So if you wanna make a decision for Jesus, go to our leadership. And after we're done with our planned baptisms, we'll baptize you, all right? And we will have a great celebration together. Let's do it.